Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast. Those listening to the podcast are, as always, invited to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. Please also share any feedback you may have about the show at our email address, which is e jsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jody. Hi, Mike. This is Ed. Hi, everyone. This is Jody. That leaves Mike, who won't introduce himself. Oh, Mike (laughs) from the People's Republic of New Jersey. There you go. Mike's (laughs) the one on the mic. So first and foremost, since several of us still live in communist areas, two and a half of us, I believe. We, uh, we're gonna get on to COVID. Um, I'm sure everybody knows we have a new governor in New York, even better than the last governor. First of all, she announced apparently 12,000 more people just died of COVID because she fixed the books from what uh, Cuomo apparently lied about 12,000 people, but that's not really the important story. I just wanna run through the COVID issues that I'm seeing and then we can pick and choose which if any, we wanna discuss. So the new governor of New York just mandated vaccines and masks, I believe, for all education um, personnel in the state of New York. Um, I believe it may be a little confusing for me that in the state, you can opt out and get a whole bunch of tests. And in New York City, you can't even opt out of that. Um, We have the Oregon governor mandating masks, even outdoors, even if you're vaccinated. That seems a little wild. We have a story that's affecting me personally of a family member in a hospital in, I believe, Dade County, Florida, where it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or you're masked. And presumably, even if you're wearing a spacesuit, you cannot visit a patient. We have the Florida doctors who supposedly walked out of their hospital for a while protesting that there are unvaxxed patients, but we have healthcare workers in California protesting that there are mandates on people, which again, I guess different strokes for different folks. We have Nancy Pelosi and a fundraiser where nobody apparently is wearing masks, which just gets added to the double standard, no standard hypocrisy, or does anyone really believe that we need masks stack of stories. And one of my favorites is apparently Vladimir Putin, who said we would never have mandates for vaccinations. I don't know if that's true or just typical Russian doublespeak, but I think it's sadly ironic. You have Australian truck drivers who are threatening to block every highway if Australia doesn't stop locking them down, which they've done pretty strongly as far as I can tell. We have um, the World Health Organization is against giving booster shots to Americans, but not because they may not be needed or they may actually harm people, but because other people need them. So I guess presumably it's okay if we die, if other people need them, which is a whole other story. We have Delta Airlines upping people's health insurance by $200 a month, which is fascinating because some of us say if you're a private business, you can and possibly should do that. So I'm a little stuck on that story. And um, I think that's enough of the stories. So if you remember any of those, pick and choose which angles of COVID we can discuss. God, Ooh, it's hard so to know where, where to start. <laughs> well, I think you mentioned one story about the 
the requirement that hospital workers and healthcare workers get vaccinated. Was that you, you mentioned that story? That's one story. That was from New York, maybe, or I forget where. New York is the schools. I think um, California is they're protesting it. So I guess it's California. Probably other states as well. I, I think the interesting thing about that is, again, it shows that this is about politics, not health, because the, the health issue is we don't they, they said that they didn't want to have the hospitals overrun. So why would you fire all the competent people who using their brains decide we don't want this vaccine? And then then you cry that there's a shortage of doctors, there's a shortage of hospital beds, there's a shortage of care. I mean, it doesn't make any sense unless you realize it's not about public health in the first place. It's really about something else. That's the story that popped out at me from from the ones you gave. I think you did a great job of flipping it on them. Um, I love the way you did that. Of course, they're saying and people are openly saying it. If you're not vaccinated, you're a murderer and you might as well just be holding a gun to somebody's face. And then are they murdering, though? Everybody. No, I know. Okay, so unvaccinated people are murdering each other and themselves. I mean, and, and the vaccinated, vaccinated people. They're murdering the vaccinated people, even if they're wearing K95s and N95s. Obviously, otherwise, who could they be murdering? Which gets back to, does anyone believe that vaccines, even with masks, help anybody? And apparently, no. No one believes that. I do. I do. I mean, I believe I believe the part where it does mitigate um, your chances of dying. Yes, I do believe that part. I'm always open to science. I mean, I'm always open to reading and looking and learning more. But as it stands right now, I do believe from what I understand and what I've seen that they are at least having a mitigating effect with but the Jody. Delta variant. Jody, that makes it a therapeutic, not a not yeah, a vaccine. I, I, I can I can go with that. But so is the flu vaccine that we give every year that, you know, it's a flu um, shot. It's great. not a flu vaccine. I know. Well, they call it a vaccine. <laughs> Technically, you know, I mean, what is a vaccine? A vaccine is to boost your antibodies, to attack oh, to you. It's to give you a sample of a virus. To... I know to boost your antibodies so that you have a mitigated response the next time your body recognizes it. Right. No, it's so... not a mitigated response. It's 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 to teach that's... your body, your immune system, how to fight the how to fight the disease. That's yeah, not what these things the polio doing. vaccine stops it. Uh, the, the measles vaccine stops it. You, you won't get it. I mean, this, clearly this vaccine does not do that. Okay, that's a nuance. I'm going to have to look into like, you know, what, because the flu vaccine has always been called the flu vaccine. Not and, to me. I've always called no. it a flu shot. Nonetheless, it's only, it, it's only for one strain each year and there's multiple strains of the I flu. Have inter- so just- I have to interrupt this conversation. If you're <laughs> going to fight about what a word means, you're trying to get Jen Psaki's job. <laughs> What the let me I'll circle back to you on that. You're not stranded. You're merely <laughs> stuck somewhere. So I think arguing the semantics of vaccination could, could get kind of uh, nitpicky. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, From my understanding, it's not necessarily that it is that your body is going to recognize an incoming virus based on <laughs> the memory, the antibodies that come through, which could mean mitigated or not mitigated. 
response. I mean, I mean fa facts matter. It's, I mean, not, it's, it's not a vaccine oh, right. That's in, in the I same say. sense as the other ones are. It's just Jody, not. You, one of your big points on this show over the over the months that we've been doing it is the importance of language and how la the left yes. controls language. And totally. I think this is a good example. It's not a vaccine. It's not even, I mean, maybe it was intended to be a vaccine at the beginning, but in practice, it's not a vaccine. It's something that mitigates the the, the uh, effects of the virus in the same way that taking, you know, cough syrup or flu or, or aspirin or what I mean, there are yeah, things I you can take. I understand that point. I do. I'm going to have, I want to, I want to learn more and dig deeper on, is that the uh, line that the vaccine makes that you literally will not get it? Is that the line of the, 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 the word vaccine implies is that it prevents you from ever even getting it or carrying it or in any way, no. is it a complete hundred percent shield? Is that what the word vaccine is meant to imply? I think I'm, yes, ex except that there are, there'll be some rare exceptions, but uh, so it's not going to be a hundred percent, but it's going to be like 99.999%. It's, I mean, so every, no, no drug, no vaccine is ever perfect. But um, so to say a hundred percent, I think would be inaccurate, but in, in uh, the thrust of what you're saying, I think is right. I don't know. It's been my understanding that it has the point of vaccines was for that reason to to mitigate people's responses to a virus, to the disease, not to completely impede ever getting it. But I will be corrected. I will look into it and be corrected. But I'm just telling you right now, it is my belief. But willing to change that yes the vaccine does help has been we're, we're seeing it help mitigate I, I mean you could say no drug is perfect but does the polio vaccine work is anybody getting polio has been vaccinated has had that vaccine i don't think so i mean so you know we accept that that one works but again these vaccines usually take years and years as we know I, mean, before I, think they're you approved. Could, I think you could i think you could compare COVID more closely to the flu than you could maybe to polio, maybe the way it works. So that yeah. might be a different. Well, that suggests that it's here to stay and, and there's yeah, nothing that we so. really can do. Look, uh, I, I think I've brought it up on here before very early on when I was watching um, discussions with, oh gosh, what's, what are they called? Uh, Unheard, have you guys watched them? Great stuff. I just found them early on in the pandemic and um, Freddie something does great interviews and he was interviewing, I think it was a virologist from Germany. And that was one of the things he said very early on when we knew very little. And he said, look, this isn't going away. It's going to be endemic like the flu. That was his prediction. And I think he's absolutely, absolutely turning out to be right. That is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be every year, some different strain, just like it's with the flu. You know, I don't know. seriousness, this is a very immediate problem here in New York because for those of us of the Jewish faith, the high holidays are upon us in two weeks. And the churches, I believe, at least as of several days ago, were exempted from some of the state rules about masks or vaccines. I don't know what that status is today, but I do know that the synagogues and temples are, how should I put this, 
are very, very confused in what their rules should be for the holidays. So typically that's when the most amount of people show up. That's when the rooms are the most packed. Last year, a high percentage of synagogues and temples, I believe, weren't open at all. This year, they were all set to totally open until the last few weeks or so. And they're scrambling. I guess that's the word that I want. And a lot of people are saying, we'll only come if there's mandated vaccinations and masks. And a lot of people who are saying, we're not going to keep people out if they're not vaccinated. So, and the, it's very immediate because everybody has to make that decision. And there's a lot of pressure from both sides. Um, and by the way, not, only, not always the spouses agree. I know that's shocking to those of us who are or have been married. Not always the spouses agree about mask mandates and about keeping others out of your room if they don't want to be vaccinated. So what some of us want to say is, wait a minute, you were vaccinated, you're wearing an N95 mask, you can stand 10 feet away. Why is what we do your business? Mm -hmm. And they're coming back with, well, you're a murderer thing. And <laughs> it has to be decided one way or the other. Yeah, they're trying to have it both ways. Always. They? I mean, on every subject. If, if they think the vaccine and the masks work, get your vaccine and put your mask on. Yeah. Why, why, why should I have to do it? Why should my kids no, have, I, have to I do it? I can't imagine anybody being able to say that it works. Because that's already I, obvious that it can't work because there wouldn't be this discussion. It just makes it better. So what they're saying, like Fauci, well, it helps a little bit and it mitigates it a little bit and there's a slightly less chance. Why not wear it? And that's what they're always okay. relying on, which still makes you a murderer with a gun pointed at your head. But, okay, so... I, I, keep, I keep coming back to, we keep having this discussion about whether uh, vaccines work, about whether masks work. And I'm thinking to myself, well, shouldn't we know how deadly this Delta variant is? I mean, isn't that kind of the most important thing to find out? You know, and I know that we keep hearing that our hospitals are flooded, right? And it's unvaccinated people with the Delta variant. That's what we keep hearing. And I went into the CDC and I'm looking and it's okay, just in the last seven days, we've had 987,639 cases and there've been 5,431 deaths, which just taking those numbers, right? gives us a 0.5% mortality. And I know there's other factors to consider. That's just the number of cases we know about, right? So we've got like a 99.5% survival rate. This is just a basic look at the numbers. I'm sh I know that there's another uh, more conclusive way to look at it, but if, and I'm not suggesting that's minor that 5,431 people have died in seven days, but shouldn't some of the discussion, you know, when, when we're talking about these, okay, I'm gonna use the word tyrannical things against people, is it really responsible to be doing these things and even having these arguments and pitting people against each other if it maybe isn't all as bad as we're making it out to be? My argument is we don't have to ask that question. All we have to do is go back to history and say, have we ever done this before for even more deadly things? <laughs> and the answer seems to be a pretty solid low because we all lived through HIV, which is far more deadly. And we not only didn't we do it, any mention of thinking about doing it, of separating populations, forcing people to inoculate. Well, 
that was spread differently though i'm just saying what they'll say is well this the mechanism of spread was very different for that it wasn't this massively contagious weren't even allowed i mean the mechanism of spread there's a caveat with the aids thing you know that right and that's who was being most affected by it at the time. Well, that is the caveat. That was politically correct, politically incorrect, and this was Trump, and that was a different president. But the point is, if we've never done it before, and the numbers are like that, and you haven't even gotten into the comorbidity issue, should they have the right to do this? I don't think a population where some percentage thinks they do have the right, and some percentage thinks they don't have the right can coexist. Well, let me let me jump in here. And, and Jody, you're talking about we, should we check and see, you know, how deadly the virus is, how deadly this variant is, and let's. Go- I know, and I know you're going to say it doesn't matter. You still don't encroach upon people. I get well, that. I'm talking. That's, that's part I, of. I, 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 that's not exactly where I was going. It's it's tangential to where I was going. I mean, let's let's stipulate for this for the moment that that it is deadly. I mean. Uh, the, the example, the analogy I have in my head is, is seatbelts. And, and I, I look at a seatbelt law, and I remember when the seatbelt laws came into, into effect in the 80s, and I was just reflexively opposed to it. It's none of your business what I do in my car. Mm-hmm. And if I want to run else, that risk- You don't use it. Huh? It doesn't kill anyone else if you don't use it. And, yeah, and if I want to run that risk, it's nobody else's darn business. But over time, my rebelliousness to, to the mandate was superseded by the fact that the people trying to impose the mandate were right. Okay, so it was dangerous. The, the seatbelt is not really much of an intrusion on me. However, the difference I see, and there are several differences, but the big difference is we don't have police officers stopping every car and making sure you have your seatbelt on. If we had so, you know, if we had a seatbelt passport saying that we can't get into our cars and we can't go anywhere without the seatbelt, I'd be in the streets protesting that and I'd be objecting to it. Not because I think a seatbelt is bad, but because it's not your business to tell me what to do. And, and so it's the same thing here. I mean, leaving aside all the arguments about the ineffectiveness of the vaccines or these so-called vaccines, the waning of the waning uh, protection that they offer, the side effects that they offer. I mean, there's a whole bunch of negatives associated with it. But le- leaving all that aside, even if it were perfect, even if it were a polio type vaccine, okay, the heavy-handed tactics are just beyond the pale. And it, and, and and they, to me, the heavy-handed tactics override everything else, anything else about it. I mean, short of you know, maybe if if it were Ebola or some you know anthrax or some really deadly thing. I mean, even then, I still don't think that that they need the heavy handed tactics because you would just point to all the dead bodies in the street and say, yeah. if you don't want that to be you, get the vi- get the vaccine. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, it's, it's the heavy handed tactics that that are that are really the the issue here. And it doesn't really matter whether or not they're right or not. I mean, the 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 means that they're choosing don't justify what they're doing. OK, yeah, I, well, I think I think a better parallel is drunk driving. And I think because that does affect other people, probably at a rate similar to or, or close to um, what we're talking about here with the disease. And, you know, Elliot of Liberty Block has written many, many articles saying if we were serious about drunk driving, we would make cars not start without breathalyzers for everybody. 
which I believe was tucked it's into pills. If we were serious about people not dying in car accidents due to speed, it is no big deal for the government today to program cars. They can't go more than five miles an hour. Not a big deal. Um, so the point is we're only serious about certain dangers. That's 100% clear. But we're still shouted down when we say we're not murderers. And like I say, these are decisions being made every day. There, I've heard of other people who are saying, I can't live my life anymore. I don't know what to do. I can't go to my business. I can't make money. I can't eat out. I can't this, I can't that. So they are succeeding in forcing more and more people to get the vaccination and then turning around and saying, see, everybody's getting it. Now in the same world, we would turn around and say, great, that's even more people we can't infect. But they do get to have it both ways. They do get to say, we had the vaccinations and we're wearing the mask and you're still a murderer. And we're not allowed to make sense. And sense doesn't help us here. Well, I don't know. I know I've said this before, but half the time I think our problem is whenever we get called things like murderer, we go on defense and say, no, we're not. Instead of going directly on offense, which if we don't start doing more often, they'll always win because if they have us defending themselves, they don't, if they have us defending ourselves, they don't have to defend their hypocrisy, their insanity, their lies, their really, 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 really horrible um, outcomes in the jurisdictions that they run. And I, mean, I think, you know, we I'll tell you what, if it's speaking me one more second, Ed, that yeah. we have where a state bans mask mandates, but localities are enforcing them anyway. We have states where localities are banning mask mandates and the states are trying to impose mask mandates, That which is why I was shocked to find out that in South Florida, you can't visit someone in a hospital when I thought that DeSantis is Florida was like the freest, most open anti-mandate society there is. So it's literally, it's locality by locality and fighting daily over who gets to make those rules. I know, I, I, that's the way I want it personally. I want localities to run their own issues. And then your, lo your, your local government is the one you, and the, the people in your own neighborhood are the ones you have to fight with, not, okay, you then know. We still get back to the private public thing. If, if the, if the I know. county says you can't mandate a mask, but the health department of the state says you have to, what do you do and who's enforcing it and who's got the guns? I just, the confusion is unbelievable. And, you know, Australia is locked, locked down a lot tighter. It seems like they're having a lot more serious protests. France is having more serious protests. I don't see big protests in America. Does anybody see? Is anybody not out in really the, not not sufficient protest? Not, not really. You're only seeing really uh, like a lot of parents now before the school boards is the biggest thing. Um, but, you know, I'm almost jealous of some of these people in these other states, because if the if the decision is in the hands of the school board, at least parents have some power and some say uh, in New Jersey, we've got the governor, uh, you know, the high command, the edicts coming down and there is no authority in the school districts as far as I can see. So as a parent, I feel totally helpless, but the reality is they, the use of force is being implemented against us and you're taking away people's lives and their livelihood. And that that's the club that's going to force people to go and get the shot. And they're, they're going to win. They are winning. We're losing and they're winning. There's no question about it. I mean, is there at this point? I don't see. I don't see any question about it. They're going to make our lives a living hell if we don't succumb to their pressure. 
I mean, look, you have even Trump who came out and got booed for saying take the vaccine. Then you had Mo Brooks booed for saying take the vaccine. Even the people on the supposed right don't get that we don't want a nanny state. You know, I happen to be those who wears a seatbelt all the time, but I can't stand the fact that there's a law about wearing seatbelts. Just to be clear, yeah. that's where I am too, Steve. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, I do think that law, uh, I do think that seatbelts save lives without question. Of course. Um, but I think education over seatbelts saving lives is the answer versus, you know, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but when they began the whole seatbelt law, they weren't going to be pulling people over simply for not having a seatbelt on. It was if you got pulled over for something else and you didn't have a seatbelt, you could be ticketed. Well, lo and behold, obviously they pull people over who aren't wearing a seatbelt. Right. And different, so in different states, it's, whether it's primary or not. Oh, but okay. They always start must that. Be my, must be social my. security. It wasn't uh 12.9% either. Right. Oh, we will never pull you over for that. I'm saying it always starts with those sort of um, very hands off. We just, we just mean the best for you. We just want to do this to help you. And in the seatbelt, Thing, I do think it has saved lives, but I think education. Okay, so Jody, with all due respect, yeah. education cannot help deplorables who shop in Walmart. And they really feel that way. They believe we are too dumb to be educated and we need their expertise to yeah. force us to do well, that. Look, I mean, the argument that we've had for a number of years now is authoritarian versus libertarian. And this COVID issue has just brought that to, to a head. Because yeah. let's face it, it's not just the government, it's not just corporations. We have fellow citizens who are more than happy to tell everybody else what to do. Yeah. More, more than happy to tell us what to do. So there's um, actually two more COVID stories that we could toss about if you want. One is two New York judges ordered defendants whose cases were related to minor crimes and drug offenses to get vaccinated. One judge basically said, since part of my logic in letting you out on the street is you're not a danger to others, I can force you to get a vaccination. I find that a little bit chilling. And is the there any legal recourse for those two? Okay, hold that question for one second. The other story is the one of the school in Washington state forcing athletes to wear ankle bracelets. Yeah, that's crazy. Monitor their distance. Again, how far will they go before we realize it's over? So go back, yeah, to your question. How can a judge do this? Of course, judges can do anything they want until somebody stops them. Yeah, yeah. My understanding is if a judge tells you to stand on your head and take off all your clothes and stick out your tongue in court, he can jail you for that. And your only recourse is to get another judge to overturn it. Am I correct, Ed? Uh, you won't get another judge to overturn that. Judges are gods in their own courtroom. You might get an appellate judge to say that he abused discretion, but... Uh, generally speaking, judges get to run their courtrooms the way they see fit. Right. And, and to, with almost no limit, I, I happen to see it that way as well. I didn't want to go out that far. So can judges command you to get a shot? That is so scary. And by the way, this story came out on the 24th, which was yesterday, I guess on the exact same day when it became no longer experimental, supposedly. And until then, would he have been violating the Nuremberg laws by doing that, this judge? And does anybody care? I think he's still violating the Nuremberg law and, and or 
Nuremberg Code, right? The Nuremberg Laws were the the German laws. The Nuremberg Code is whatever they call them. Yeah, um, agreements. But I, I mean, he'd need some statutory authority to be able to impose that as a sentence or as a type of punishment. If I were the defense attorney, I would object that it's not statutory statutorily authorized. But whether or not that's going to fly or not, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, when judges don't care what you have to say, they don't care what you have to say. And unless you got money, where do you go? And he says, I'm not letting you out until you get the shot. Now, what I heard this morning in passing was that some of the people who are incarcerated for the January 6th violent rebellion against the state and attempt to overthrow the United States government are being told they can't get haircuts, they can't have their nails clipped or anything if they don't agree to take the vaccination. Well, didn't the FBI come out with a story this week saying that they agree that it's that there's no base, there's no factual basis to charge anyone with insurrection? And I just well, why that, can they hold them for so long? Curveball to hit out of the park. Thank you, Ed. That's exactly what they came up with. The whole thing was a lie. Yes. Right. Wait, so there wait. Why how and what grounds are they being detained? Well, the Democrats are tyrants. <laughs> I mean, they have a bunch of things they're calling it disrupting government order or something. They, they have a bunch of words for what they're doing. But I mean, don't they have to be charged and go through? All right, forget it. I'm, I understand I it I'm, I'm talking like I'm, this is like America, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Where we're asking lawyers, what about habeas? Rational. Some of them have system. not been charged, to my understanding. And some of them are not exactly getting in contact with their lawyers. And again, it sounds good to say that that's illegal, but when it's you, what do you do about it? Which is why I keep going back to the, is it too late? And when it's- Well, it depends on who the you you're talking about is, Steve. I mean, the solution to that problem is for the Republican party to stand up and say, this is not acceptable. And the Democrats are a threat to your freedom. And if you elect us, we're going to, change the system we're going to do things differently when we when we become when you give us the majority we're going to you know i mean i hate to say we're going to set up a commission but we're going to we're going to try these people we they these people may not be fit to be in congress right i mean they talked about kicking out marjorie taylor green they kicked her off every committee how about we kick out nancy pelosi how about we kick out adam schiff how about we kick out some of these other people let's see if the republicans can play as hardball as much as the Democrats do. That's that's the problem. There's no pushback. That is the problem. If the Republicans got engaged in pushback, some of this stuff would stop. Not all of it, but when there's no resistance, there's no reason for them to stop. Okay, right. the trivia question. Was it three Congress people who tried to get to the uh, Federal Correctional Center in Washington, D.C. to see what was going on, or was it 200? I think it was three. Time's up. I think it was three. Yes. Where were the other hundreds? We don't have Republicans who give a hoot about the prison because most of the Republicans, I believe, agree with the government against the January 6th people and wish the whole thing would just go away. Well, I think some of these Republicans are just out for themselves. And uh, we we, uh, shared some stories on back channels about Chrissy Noam, right? That she wouldn't stand up against uh, the mask mandate in her state. And why? Is it because she really believes that masks work? 
No, it was the vaccine mandate. Was it the vaccine mandate from the yeah, private businesses? Not. Okay, she she would not stand up for people's freedom on that issue, right? Why? Because it's in her self interest not to do that. Apparently, that's what she's concluded. And otherwise, she she would be principled on the subject. Right. I so, don't think us getting five people into Congress, even if we totally take the House and Senate and everything in 2022, which I think is likely. We're not going to get people who really, really fight for our side. There's only one or two of them in every generation. Well, you know, one of the things, you know, one of the stories that that we talked about pre-show was uh, the California recall. And, you know, if Larry Elder winds up winning that recall, he could he could do a lot of uh, ground laying. You know, he, he's he's talking a good talk right now about things that need to change. And if he's able to succeed in, in not just a Democrat state, but basically a commie state, I think things can start turning around. I mean, I, you know, I hate to be so Pollyannish when, you know, I've got a, you know, a group of Cassandras around me, but now, but uh, <laughs> Jody accepted, of course, Jody being as Pollyannish as they come. Uh, you know, I think Larry Elder could, could lead the way on this one even though he's only going to be in California. Can I just say Larry Elder is the prime example of what I was just saying earlier. Did you, you watch Larry Elder get into a discussion with the leftist? First of all, Larry Elder is a white supremacist and I will not watch him. I will not listen to him. He refuses to take defense. He will not, when they come with these ridiculous, either, uh, subliminal or direct uh, moral attacks, he doesn't sit there and explain why that's not true. He just goes right back and attacks and he's got facts. I love Larry Elder. And I think he represents everything that I think is a winning team. And if we had a boatload of Larry Elders and Thomas Souls maybe in there too, because he's another one, comes with factual information. He doesn't sit there and you know, blabber and blabber about, you know, what's the moral thing? Not, I'm not suggesting, I do believe the moral win is what most people need, but they get the moral win with the facts. And I think, I think Larry's awesome. There's the pushback on the LA Times calling him a white supremacist. Of course, because they got nothing else. They got nothing else. If you don't have an argument based on facts, logic, and reason, you, you use ad hominem. That's How can the paper be in business that way? Did you see what Larry Elder said in response to that? What did he say? He, Something he good. That he's, he's the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but I'll tell you, Ed, I think you made a good point about him potentially laying the groundwork. I, I mean, I hearken back to Chris Christie when he took over and Lord knows he's not one of us, but he's two he or sound, three. He's, he, sound, he sounded like one of us for a long enough time. And he, he was a perfect antidote in a way at the time for Obama. And, you know, he did play a, a considerable role at that time um, in Republicans getting back to power and, and I think winning a lot of the governorships around the country. I, I think that Larry Elder, cross fingers, if he gets in there, he, he'll, he'll be the real deal. But uh, I think your point is well taken. So I, I guess, I, go ahead, Ed. I was just going to say, and I think, I think that the that California recall is really important for, for another reason. I think Regardless of how it turns out, it's 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 going to fan the flames of revolution one way or the other. I think 
I think that the only way he's not going to win is through cheating. I've got friends on the ground in California, uh, even without friends on the ground, that he had 2 million signatures. Even Democrats are ticked off at him. I don't see any way that him being Gavin Newsom, I don't see how Gavin Newsom survives this recall unless they cheat. And if they cheat, I think that's going to that's gonna end any kind of support for the electoral system from people on our side. And I think if he if Larry Elder wins, I think it's going to, make the left frantic and they're going to start panicking over the electoral system. So I think either way, we're going to see uh, calls for revolution after that recall election on September 14th. Well, I agree with you that it would be an amazing, amazing event. Um, I kind of wonder, in light of the way I think about other issues, why hasn't that been more nationalized? Why does it seem like it's a California fight and not a national fight? And that every single American should be sending a dollar there and every single American should be making phone calls. Okay, well, now that, that, that election go the right way. Well, the legacy media doesn't want to shine any spotlights on anything that's negative in some, you know, a, a Democratic run jurisdiction, right? They can't have negative vibes or anything positive, like Larry Elder getting too much positive play because it might sway the way people think. It's Probably just for the same reason that, you know, CNN doesn't really, you know, if, if there's a, a press conference with Joe Biden not looking good, they, they have other things to talk about. They don't want, you know, people seeing bad things with the Democrats. You know, now I'm just thinking out loud because I haven't thought this through at all. But is DeSantis making speeches? Is Abbott making speeches about how important this recall is? No, and that's oh. part of the problem. I mean, we don't have, there's no team, right? There's no Republican team. There's no support network. And I, I agree with you. I think that they, they should be speaking up. Uh, as I, I, my understanding is that Elizabeth Warren went in and, and taped a commercial for Gavin Newsom. Where are the national Republicans? I don't know. Because to question. my knowledge they have, and I'm not following it that closely, it would be cataclysmic if a Republican took Newsom out. There's no question about it. And that you got to wonder where the, you know, they have a Republican Governors Association and all of that other BS. Does anybody do anything? And of course, it always gets back to the fact that they fight and we don't. Mm -hmm. you know, I to mean, Mike's, to Mike's point, he could win and do nothing also like uh, Chris. Well, Christie, you know, I mean, look, it's easy. It's easy. To sort of a bash on Christie, but you know, I mean, what the one thing that he really did that changed the game at the time was taking on the public sector unions, and we saw that fan out into other states where right to work uh, became a real battle. Places like Wisconsin with Scott Walker, um, a, a number of other states too, and there were some successes and victories uh, in gaining right to work in other states. So, uh, I I think. Um, you know, Christy, for all his faults, that was one big issue where he turned the tide. Okay, so to, to get you off of that argument, well noted, it's interesting that if a Republican has a victory, he goes home and celebrates, and a Democrat goes right back to work on the next issue. Have you ever seen a Democrat say, well, one, one, and now we're good? It's not necessarily the next issue. They may return right to that issue, and that's another part of the problem is you know, sometimes we win these battles and they're not really, the war is never over. But they're not saying we got 1.2 trillion 
and saying, hey, that's great, let's go have a party. They're saying, we still need another 3.5 trillion. And if they get the 3.5 trillion, there'll be some, it's the election bill, which I guess we should probably talk about as well. The point is they never rest. And even on the small times where we win something, well, he was good, he did one thing. That's the best we got. Tyrants never sleep. I don't know, isn't there some saying, something like that? Well, I mean, Jody Carroll saying. Again, I mean, it, it keeps coming back to this a theme of our show, which is the culture. You have to win the culture. And until we win the culture, we're not really going to have these kinds of big permanent victories that, that we okay. want to see. And, 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 and listen, if Larry Elder wins, great. Uh, you know, I, I think it ha can have a considerable impact. But I think we need to restrain ourselves from thinking like, wow, I mean, that that's, you know, that that's going to be everything. It's not. We know the culture is what is the big issue that needs to be. Well, it's gargantuan that it puts people on notice that you can be taken down. And I don't know any other states if they have recalls. I think it would be good if a lot. Uh, of I mean, part of the problem with the California issue is it's, it's all about Newsom. And it's like, I feel like there's even people on the left that want him gone. I, well, I don't know if I see it's more than just Newsom, though. I mean, is, and, it the, I was, is, the, is it the ideological battle that we want it to be? I'm not sure that I see that right now. I think, I, well, I, I was going to say, I, I disagree. I think it is. And it's, and it's not because of Newsom. It's because of who Larry Elder is. Larry Elder is a good conservative. And, you know, if you had... I mean, I don't know the laws in other states, but I know, uh, you know, Washington is another state that has a lot of referenda and uh, init ballot initiatives. I, I don't know if they have recall, but Jay Inslee, the governor there, is awful. However, I'm not sure that they have a Larry Elder to challenge him and to challenge him with a guy like, say, Chris Christie or an, al an analog, analog to Chris Christie, to me, wouldn't do any any bit of good there or even a Kevin McCarthy in California. Thank God he's not the one running. Um, they had the two million signatures before Elder got in because there are so many libs who are unhappy with him as well. So it's just right, like, which is exactly why I said earlier, there's no way that guy's going to that Gavin Newsom is going to survive unless there's enough cheating for him. There's just way too much dis uh, uh, disgust with him. And, and uh, you know, people don't want him. So and, and it's not just a right issue. It's a left right. It's it's across the spectrum. So. I think it's a it's a race worth watching. And I, I think Larry Elder is really the wild card that, or not the wild card, but he's he's what makes it a special race. You know, it's not the fact that they're going to recall Newsom and and put in some other Democrat or put in some fake Republican who's not going to change the change the game. Larry Elder is a guy who changed change the game. I mean, Kevin Kiley is the other guy who could change the game, but you know, he doesn't have the name recognition. Larry Elder has just got the name recognition. He's got you know, the, he's a smooth talker from being a, on TV and radio for so many years. Uh, he's he's a good candidate and he has a chance to really change the landscape. I, I definitely could agree with that school of thought. He, he will have a golden opportunity in the Golden State. See what I did there? I would love it so much. <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean, he can really show the stark contrast. If, he, if he's the real deal and he gets in, he can show the difference between what um, a governor who values freedom is all about versus an authoritarian type of governor. I believe he's actually running specifically on getting rid of mask mandates and vaccine mandates, et cetera. But where is McCarthy? Is McCarthy out there in California right now yelling and screaming for this? Excuse me, one second, I have an emergency. Keep going. 
I don't know. Do you guys know where Kevin, he was asking about Kevin McCarthy. Uh, no idea. He's probably holed up with Frank Luntz in their apartment. He hasn't said anything about that race as far as I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, no, no. I'll just say that if, if being unvaccinated makes me a, a murderer, I've got a big hug for Kevin McCarthy that I want to give him. Mm. Well, what does it uh, make gun control activists when somebody dies and they can't defend themselves? Are they murderers now too? Interesting. Perhaps. You know, we, two, two can play at that game. See, see, that was a really good transition from, from I mean, defense to offense. There, there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of things that liberals uh, believe in, people on the left, environmentalists, that result in people dying. Yeah. And one of them is fuel efficiency standards that make cars lighter and you're more liable to die, more, more, like, more likely to die in an accident than you otherwise would be. Um, I believe they were against DDT years ago. That saves lives. So, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what Rachel Corson's uh, book *Silent Spring* was all about. Yeah. So they they don't have a moral high ground when it comes to these matters. No, but they always make a moral case since they don't have mm -hmm. the facts on their side. And where we always fail is their moral case is you. It's a, it's an attack on us. It's not even founded in reality. But what do we do? We don't respond with attacking them back with truths and yeah. we defend ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, we lose. We, we want our freedom. We're accused of being selfish for wanting our freedom and the ability to choose. But they're not they're not selfish for wanting self uh, self-sacrifice from all of us and giving up. our. So freedom. I would that's why I say I would not even defend your wanting your freedom. Go back switch it right off the bat because the minute you're defending well yes i want my freedom in in the minds of you know non uh super leftist people maybe some of the center people there's a little bit of oh you are selfish for wanting your freedom rational or not but yeah. so instead of going there go right on the offense and be you know, why what you want is bad, why what you want hurts people. I think that's right. more effective. And it's true. I'm just saying it's, you know, when, like you say, things that they want legitimately kill people. Abortion's one of them. It legitimately kills people. You can't argue. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm afraid to bring that one up with Ed. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save abortion for another time, I think. But uh, <laughs> We should probably shift gears a little bit. You want to talk Wait. a little about Afghanistan? Oh, you want to talk more? I just, Jody? I, just, I just want to say one thing before we switch off COVID, because again, I was at the CDC looking at, you know, the current data. And I just want to point out, because we know where the media is going to go with all this. And, you know, uh, DeSantis is, is heavy on the legacy media and the left's list of people to attack. And when you look at the CDC information, uh, and you look at, you know, mask mandates, because this is one of the things that I have a pet peeve with, not because I'm against masks, but because the science doesn't support it. And for all we know, they actually hurt. And the fact that scientists have advocated that anyway, we've already been through that. What I wanted to point out is, according to the CDC, and their most recent mask mandates lists uh, show Washington, California, Nevada, New Mexico, Connecticut, and Hawaii with mask mandates. There's probably more um, now coming up, but those states, what I want us just 
put into people's heads is Florida does not have a mask mandate. Most states don't have a mask mandate, but a lot of the states without mask mandates are outperforming states with mask mandates. Florida outperforms uh, New Mexico, Nevada, Washington, and Connecticut, for example. Is the media going to talk about how Florida without their mask mandates outperforms these states with their mask mandates? They're not. What I predict the media and the left would do is just take Florida and California and compare them. And California with the mask mandate has outperformed Florida, but they'll ignore all the other states and all of the states that have outperformed these states, these small number of states with their mask mandates. I just wanted to put that out there. Look at the numbers. Look at the actual numbers. Okay. okay. Well taken. Ed, you want to switch gears? Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about Afghanistan? Do you want to talk about something else? What do you guys want to talk about? Rocket. What do you got on Afghanistan? Well, we've got a, an August 31st deadline. Do you think that the Biden administration is going to keep to it? Do you think they should keep to it? What do you guys think? Hmm. I am all ears because foreign policy stuff is foreign. <laughs> oh, boring. That's because um, very few people have people in the military. Listen, I mean, the, the, the one specific issue that obviously frosts me and many of us at this point is the fact that we've got so many of our own behind enemy lines. And, uh, you know, I think if we had a tough, strong president who really cared about people and their lives, uh, he'd send our military back in and warn the Taliban, we're getting our people out. If you get in the way, you're dead. No, I still have the question. Wait, why didn't they get everybody out and then draw troops? Why didn't they do that Um, first? Because our president is a demented idiot. I don't don't know what to tell you there. I mean, shouldn't that what... I don't understand. I don't understand why that's not how it worked. You get everybody out and then you say, okay, we're leaving. Except for us, maybe yeah. some people don't want to leave. Well, then they don't leave. But all the people who are wanting, you know, that's their, okay, this is like getting a vaccine. Look, you get it and you, you don't. It's your choice and you live with the choice of your consequences of your choices. Why is it? I don't know. And I guess I'm going <laughs> to take kind of the opposite line of what I took last week. And I don't necessarily believe this. I just wonder about it. What kind of a fool is in Afghanistan today? Like for the last months, we've known that they're leaving in a certain amount of time. Would you have your children there with you? No, of course not. Did they have the ability to leave? I mean, how many people are there because they didn't have the capacity for- In June, July, August, my understanding is most of the people there are contractors, people related to contractors, people making fortunes working directly and directly for the government, I would assume, yeah, they can get on an airplane and leave. Well, I don't know if they could right I, now, but they could no, have. They, in July, we knew this was coming. This is not a big surprise. Uh, uh, not according to our president. Everything was going to be good. It wasn't going to fall in a weekend, uh, Kabul. So uh, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people expected that. Oh, maybe they were believing him. Oh, no, I've got time. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you think that necessarily? I mean, you know, I mean, again, sometimes people don't see the writing on the wall when it's there. And even though they right, that they stayed when they knew things were going bad, but they just never in there never imagined it would get to the point where they'd be stuck. Yeah. So the global question, by the way, having lived overseas, um, what 
is the responsibility of a country towards its citizens when they're on another country's land? I mean, historically, haven't we taken it very seriously? I mean, it depends on what. If you're arrested in another country, supposedly they will send somebody to visit you, look into your case. Um, but they can't get everybody out of every country. So they try. I mean, is this stuff in law? What should it be? Do we want Americans dying because some yo-yo went to a country that's in trouble and got himself? I mean, mess? I don't know. I think if you're there for the mission, if you're helping that mission, I think there is a responsibility. If you go there of your own volition, that, that to me is a different story. But if, if you're there because you've been deployed or you, you know, you've been hired to help with that mission, I, I think there's a responsibility to try to get people out. Well, even, you know, the example of the contractors, I don't know, is there, in this case, maybe an, an argument to be made that the chaos ensued because of the United States, the actions of the United States, which to me kind of puts an onus on the United States to get those people out even a little more because they created this instability. I mean, they helped. You know, and I guess my argument, and I don't know if I'm just being contrary, so we know that somebody who's been on this show before Laser works with a contract in Ukraine in a war zone. And as a sentient human being, he knows there are risks in those war zone, in that war zone. And if you know the worst were to happen and he got in trouble over there, and then he calls up the United States State Department and says, get me out of here. They say, look, you knew that was a war zone when you went there. You went there willingly. You went there because they're paying you well and you like the, you like the excitement. It's not our problem. Yes, but I think this is a little bit different for the reasons that Mike mentioned, namely that they were part of the U.S. government's own mission. Laser no, I agree. Not part of the U.S. government's own mission. Government, I agree, although some of them are there because the money is probably phenomenal. And I do wonder about the families. Yes, Mike has the argument. Do they have a right to believe the president who says everything will be fine? I guess they have some right to believe that. Um, I don't know, would I ever believe the Taliban? All right, so let's concede that, yes, the government needs to get its people out and its contractors out and that we totally and thoroughly botched it. Some are saying totally on purpose we botched it to take the United States down a peg or to undermine Biden or to undermine the military. It's like interesting who's undermining whom doesn't seem to be clear. What do you do at this point? The Hawks are saying, go back in with the Marines and take everybody out. I don't know. What's everybody's opinion? Well, that was kind of what I just said. <laughs> so, you're a hawk. Uh, I, I think we have an obligation, a responsibility to try to get our own citizens the hell out of there and try to save their lives. Um, and so we should be giving the Taliban a warning. We're coming to get them and get in the way. We're going to kill you. And that's it. How about if Taliban are hiding among a bunch of women and children while they're shooting at our people? What are we going to do? Which women and children? They're women and children. Oh, Not tough. our problem. Well, we bash Israel for doing that every other day. And trust me, the press will be bashing America for doing it, just like they do with Israel. At some point, you've got to stop caring about what other people think and just do what the right thing is. Right, and but I don't think we ever will in America. And war, I don't think war we've is got hell. A president that's willing to do the right thing. And I definitely don't imagine Biden doing such a thing. And I, you know, the Taliban are made of that same mold where they do hide behind civilians and hide in hospitals, et cetera. 
To my knowledge, has anyone ever seen a Taliban in a military uniform? What is their military uniform, a turban? No, to my knowledge, they don't have one, which I believe automatically breaks all the international conventions on wars. I'm not an expert on that. I don't know. Not an expert, but I believe that that's one of the definitions to be protected by all kinds of rules, POW wars, um, rules and everything else. You have to be wearing a military uniform. That sounds right, but I'm not sure. So, so Ed, you believe also we should do whatever it takes? I mean, with the caveat that, you know, there's one, it's one thing to say what we should do if we had the right president. It's another thing to recognize who the president is and what he's capable and willing to do. Given what we have in the, in the White House today, I don't see the, the willingness to do what needs to be done. So, I mean, yes, I think that Mike is exactly right, that we should put the Taliban on notice that if they get in our way, we're going to kill them all. But we don't have a president willing to do that. And I think that to, to go and engage in, in the kind of rescue operation that will be required to get as many people that are still there out would basically be to resend the whole military back in. And, or if not the whole military, it would be you know, reigniting our presence in, in that country, even for a short time. And that's counter what the, to what we want to do. We want to get out. Um, so, you know, I don't think Biden has the, the wherewithal or the willingness to, to do what needs to be done. So to me, yes, I'll say he should, we should do it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to encourage him because I think, you know, as much as I don't want to see the, the people still there get killed, I don't want to see our soldiers get killed either. And it's insane how much equipment we just literally left. And there doesn't seem to be any logic why we didn't take that stuff out. Oh, the logic is he wanted them to have it. Yeah, seemingly so, because we had plenty of time to remove it. And, you know, he, the people in charge, the NSA and the Joint Chiefs and the Defense Secretary, I don't know that you could pick a better crew than he has picked. <laughs> a better crew for what? To destroy the country. Oh, okay. I mean, if you went out and searched for months and months of people to undermine the military strength of the strongest country in the world, these would have to be the SOPs that you pick. I don't know. Obama had a pretty good team, too. I mean, John Brennan is a pretty good, uh, pretty good trader when you're trying to come up with traders. I mean, you'd like to pretend that the defense secretary is hawkish and cares about protecting America. This one doesn't even seem to there's like not even any air about that and then you know like i said before about being stranded when that's our argument are they stranded or not stranded and there's this many thousands of that many thousands rather than the reagan-esque look we're coming to get them do what you want it's so pitiful and to to be an american having remembered a different kind of america i find it very painful do you think that they're bringing the troops back so that they can use them on us? Ooh, ooh. Don't even want to think about it. Wow, yeah, that's pretty scary. I mean, Ed, you that's live in, in a state where there actually may be some soldiers around. Um, when you ask soldiers or you hear them asking soldiers, more often than not, I hear, oh, they would never turn against the American people. But I've also heard people say they would observe, um, follow any order. You ever talk to people? 
Uh, I talk to people all the time. I don't talk to soldiers, but I, I look at what the police have done over the last year. And the police have been on the side of the COVID fascists from day one. And they have followed orders. They have they stood down when when the when the you know the Floyd riots were going going out. You know, the people who hate the police and were trying to destroy the police, they were they were allowed to to riot and cause mayhem and the police stood down. They did absolutely nothing, even when their police cars and their police headquarters and, and even policemen were being attacked. And, and uh, you know, the, you know, the car, police cars and the, and the uh, headquarters being uh, taken over or, or uh, burned. So and, and even that wasn't enough to get the police to go and, and go after them. Yet they still went after all the all the people on our side who wanted to open their gyms, wanted to open their churches, wanted to open their synagogues in, in New York. Uh, so to me, the experience of what the police have done during COVID tells me that the military is going to follow orders and they're going to be they'll round us up just like the police have been willing to round us up. Right. And I think even if they wouldn't shoot us, they would round us up. Yep. That's what I think. So you're expecting Australia to come to America? Uh, I've been wondering about that. I mean, especially seeing the pictures coming from Australia. Uh, you know, it, it certainly has crossed my mind. You know, what's the big hurry to get all these troops home? You know, I mean, there's been talk about Biden wanting to put a national lockdown in place. Maybe the troops are coming home from Afghanistan to help lock us down instead of locking Afghanistan down. There's not that many troops there, are there? It's only like several thousand there. Yeah, there weren't too many, actually. I believe, yeah. you know, some are saying that part of the leaving Biden office is for him to accomplish certain steps before ducking out so they can blame it on him. Again, who knows what's true. The, the idea of giving cackling Kamala any power is so beyond. I mean, I, I guess I should put it this way. I've accused many people um, running the world of wanting to depopulate the world. And it occurs to me that if God forbid Kamala became president, a lot of people would just kill themselves here in her cackle. I mean, that is painful. You can ask her the most serious question in the world. And, and you're looking at her like you're in an asylum of some sort. What is wrong with her? And she will very likely be president within the next three years. I don't see any way around that. Well, unless, unless she resigns simple. too, she could resign too. And I was just going to say the only way I can see around it is if some of the corruption from the stolen election really comes out. You know, we keep waiting for Arizona and for some of these other states to release their audit results. You know, I you know I think it's sort of like a Durham report at this point. But if it does come out and it does show, uh, you know, that there was there was substantial cheating. You know, maybe that's going to be maybe that'll lead them to, you know, who knows what kind of upheaval that will lead to. I don't know who's going to resign or whatever, but and not just not just the stolen election. But I mean, every day we're learning more and more negative stuff about this, these vaccines that they're trying to ram down our throats. Who knows what the tipping point is going to be? I mean, there's either going to be a tipping point where they're able to force all of us to take the vaccines or there's going to be a tipping point that everybody realizes that we're being duped and it's time to, to revolt. And it's not clear which way we're gonna go. 
He's got it's the latter. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were saying the mama bears with school starting and mass mandates, et cetera, are going to be the ones to sort of lead some kind of revolution. But again, I don't know, school starts in a week or two. Is that really going to happen? They'll make some noise. They'll be thrown out of um, Board of Education meetings. They'll have their mic shut off. And that'll be the end of it. Because what can they do? Well, well I, I mean, that down here, they revert. They initially made masks optional on July 29th. And then 18 days later, on August 16th, the board had another meeting. The Board of Ed here had another meeting and reversed it and mandated masks. And parents were all up in arms. But school started this week. And, you know, as far as I know, all the talk of homeschooling and pulling the kids out was just talk. I don't well, think I mean, happened. Uh, in New Jersey, I know there are a number of pods throughout the state. Um, so I think that if parents have, have the flexibility, they feel that they can do it, they'll do it. Unfortunately, I think most parents are not in that position. And it makes it very difficult to pull, pull them out, you know, because you're basically committing to being home. Even even if you you shuttle them off to some pod for a couple of hours, you've got you've got to be around for them. So it's just not it's not that simple. It's pretty hard to believe that until 150 years ago, no one ever thought of sending their kids to school all day. And now it's scary well, to think of not. And th those schools were a mirror of the factories uh, where their parents went when we switched from the. Uh, uh, an age of agriculture to the industrial revolution, right? And obviously that started the growth of cities and things like that. So kids had to be someplace all day. And, uh, you know, that bell ringing for class every, every hour or so, that, that's pretty much a parallel to working in a factory, is it not? <laughs> well, I don't know, working in the factory or being the product of the factory. So, but yeah, obviously people did homeschool before the industrial revolution. We didn't have schools quite the way we have now. I, there were schools, but well, you know, it was, it was totally different. A lot of the schooling back then was apprenticeship schooling, which I think would be a good, good thing to get back to. I mean, yeah. and not just for, for trades work. I mean, even, you know, John Adams was a lawyer and he didn't go to law school. He went into an apprenticeship with a lawyer in Boston and developed his own legal mind that way. So I, I don't see how we're benefiting from the university system right now. We, um, as conservatives, as people on the right, we should be all, we should be screaming defund education the way the left is screaming defund the police, not a penny more for, for education. And at, at any level, frankly, um, I, I would just assume cut off all the funding, leave it to parents to decide. And honestly, I don't think kids could be worse off if they had to go to work. I mean, not that I'm advocating they go to work, but I don't think they could be worse off if they did have to go to work because they're being brainwashed in these schools right now. So all right, Ed, I'm going to have to disagree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if people did not go to college and law schools, you would never be able to raise a judge who could come out ruling that you can't deport criminal immigrants because of racism. Only a school could get a mind to be that warped. 
So the story was from August 19th, the federal judge ruled a 92-year-old law that blocks illegal immigrants who have been deported from re-entering the United States violates the United States Constitution because it's, quote, racially discriminatory. Now, no one would ever get that stupid in homeschooling. That's my point. It, it, it does boggle the mind. And it's almost as if the purpose of school is to take away any common sense whatsoever. What's that line? Only an intellectual could be this stupid or only a PhD could be this stupid. Yeah, something like that. I've been against formal education for a very, very long time. Pro the, um, you know, what you just said about apprenticeships. Because to my understanding, so much of legal education and medical education is post-school anyway. So just make it even more officially that way. My understanding is lawyers come out of law school and have to learn the ropes and doctors come out of medical school and have to learn the ropes and for sure in other fields. So, you know, yeah. and isn't that the way that's the way of the world, right? I mean, you don't learn by reading books. You learn by doing. Mm-hmm. You say, see you one, know, one, teach one. I used to tell my nieces and nephews, I don't care if you get a degree in underwater basket weaving, just get a degree. I was so wrong. I mean, again, I voted for Obama. So what are you going to do? <laughs> no, I've been the way, same- it may have been true at one point. Right. I, I was going to say, Jody, I've been the same way, even with being on the other side of the aisle. Um, I've got several, I've got more than one, uh, you know, graduate degree. Uh, I've got a lot of education and I've always valued education, but I, I wouldn't recommend higher education to young people today. I mean, especially when you, I mean, even if it were free, I wouldn't recommend it. But when you factor in that you're going six oh figures gosh. into debt yeah. to, to, uh-huh. to get the credential, it's, it's preposterous. Yeah, I think that's another shift, by the way, that is kind of generational because we were brought up by the generation and as the generation that valued the credential. And I don't know what percentage of us have moved on from that. Um, my guess is it's only a small percentage because it's very hard to change an opinion like that that's so seeped deeply into you. So you bring up, you know, where the generation where we valued the credential and think of how on steroids that is now where the elites and, you know, they're, they're the only ones that really have any authoritative voice in the minds of even our youth where, oh, well, you know, only these people with these degrees know what they're talking about on this subject and they can be proven wrong over and over and over again, the experts can be wrong over and over and over again. And yet the concept of uh, credentials is, it seems to me, even more on steroids than when we were Okay, so I have to share something with you that upsets me. And again, I may be the oldest person here, which is new because I used to be young. My understanding of the Vietnam and the hippie generation, which I was young during, but still around, was it was the revolution against the man, the establishment, those in power, expertise, just because that's what everybody believes doesn't make it true. If I'm not mistaken, those exact people today in their 60s are saying you cannot challenge anything about COVID, anything Mm -hmm. about a hundred other issues because everybody agrees to it. 
Am I wrong in thinking they have totally flipped sides? No, you're hundred percent right. Because okay, it's really well, driving me crazy. I, would, I don't know that they flipped sides. I think that they were always they were sort of the nonconformist conformist, right? I mean, they. But I don't think they knew that in the sixties. So I think looking at them, it it seems maybe, clear to me. I mean, there was no independent thought amongst them. They were a bunch of cult-like zombies. Where's right. the independent they're, thinking? I agree with you, but their you know their mantra was "Don't believe what the man tells you." look beyond right and antifa's mantra is we're against fascism i mean just because they come up with the right nomenclature doesn't mean that it's true well the the issue is you're believing the very people you created your culture rebelling against well they they've become the man yeah they have become that's that's the thing and once once they realize that they could start to infiltrate our institutions and have the the power uh then the whole might the whole mindset anyway if you reflect that back to them, will any of them get a light bulb moment of, wait a minute, we're accepting it just because everybody says it? No. 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 Okay. I want to just mention one other story that I don't know if you guys touched on, which was the Facebook story from the 19th. Let's see, this is in Breitbart. So obviously it's a right-wing site. It doesn't count. Facebook has taken action against the so-called disinformation dozen a set of accounts publicly identified by the Biden White House as responsible for the majority of alleged coronavirus disinformation on the platform. So my understanding without reading the whole story is this is the absolute, the government told us to squash free speech of private entities and that's what we are going to do while saying that this has nothing to do with government. Is that your understanding? My understanding is that this is an attack on the free on the first amendment and on free speech the government even if even if the the justification given for what biden's team said was that they want to prevent disinformation or misinformation and leaving aside that they're lying and that they're the ones giving out the misinformation not the people that are being blocked on facebook even if biden were correct about that it is absolutely positively not the government's function to be the ministry of truth. That's not their job, even if what they were saying were, were true, and it's not. So, you know, and, you know, that, that reminds me also, you know, we were talking earlier about Christy Nome. I mean, same thing. When the government is putting its thumb on the scale of what private businesses do or don't do, you can't talk about what life would be like in a free market. You know, about what, you know, what businesses, what choices businesses make that are coerced or uncoerced. I mean, the government today is putting its power so much on, on, on the side of COVID and COVID hysteria that I don't see how any COVID-related business decisions can be, can be looked at as not influenced by government coercion. It just, it doesn't, I don't see, that doesn't fly for me. So to me, this is, regardless of the fact that Facebook is the one doing it, regardless of the fact that, you know, Christy Nome thinks she's protecting the the, the choice of private businesses, you know, she said she didn't want to regulate private businesses. Sorry, when the government is the one lying and, and pushing its thumb on the scale in favor of COVID vaccines and COVID mandates, we need a counterforce. We need a countervailing pressure because 
The government shouldn't be doing that in the first place. And these are not uncoerced business judgments that are occurring in the vacuum of a free market. Okay, they shouldn't be. Isn't it illegal? I mean, isn't there a lawsuit if there's evidence that the White House told a private company to suppress information? I mean, is there not a legal recourse for the American people? I seem to recall that there was a case in the past toward that end. But I'd have to go back and dig it up. Maybe Ed remembers if there was something. Well, I mean, if the people who are silenced, huh? If it's just a matter of they're morally wrong, they shouldn't do that, then we don't have any ground to stand on because they just will. No, I I mean, I think if assuming you can find someone with standing, you know, maybe one of the 12 people that were on that list that the Biden team sent to Facebook and that Facebook silenced, maybe they have standing and they could sue Facebook and they could sue the U.S. government. And I think that I think there's a solid argument that Facebook is acting as an agent of the U.S. government when it does when it does the bidding, when, when the government tells them, you know, block these people or, or take this action to prevent misinformation and, the, and Facebook does it, I think that Facebook is acting as an agent of the U.S. government when it does that. Now, how are they going to, you know, the other damages? I mean, there's a whole bunch of, you know, legal procedural things that I have to, that you'd have to get into. Um, and that's part of the game that the left is playing that, you know, they're, you know, if I get blocked on Facebook and I can't post my opinion, I mean, what are my damages that I didn't persuade you that I didn't get to speak my mind? I mean, you know, I could probably, bring, you know, ask for for what's called equitable relief, you know, the form of an injunction or to dissolve the block. I mean, but all that costs money and takes time. And I have you know, a stupid how many question. People are do it? Huh? I have a stupid question. So no stupid questions. Okay, so the First Amendment, it, it's only violations of uh, the First Amendment really only matter if somebody's been harmed? I mean, is that... No, like, I really, mean... You can violate people's First Amendment all you want as long as they don't get hurt. Is that how it works? Well, can you concretize it with an example? I mean, what do you, what's an example? I'm, I'm saying like the First Amendment being... For example, oh gosh, I don't know which part do you want. What's to an example of someone's First Amendment rights being violated, but there's no damage? Uh, maybe this, you know, this might be an example where, okay, maybe that's not. I got to think of one. I mean, I if, know, if but... just some private party, not a business, right? I mean, I'm not selling anything on Facebook, right? I'm, I'm just posting my opinion. So I don't have monetary damages. I mean, I suppose, I mean, my damages would be that I have a right to speak and Okay, that's my. Okay, that's lifted. what I was kind of asking. Like, you aren't really harmed, other than your right to speak speak has been taken right. away. Well, that and that's my point. Yes, I mean, so I would have a viable the lawsuit. But the harm would be the block. If if Facebook yeah. blocks me, I could sue to have the block removed. But I mean, am I going to pay a lawyer to do that? I don't know. I mean, lots of people probably won't. Well, well doesn't Trump have an active lawsuit now. Um, well, he, wasn't it resolved at the second circuit? I think that they said no, that he didn't. Was it? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the outcome of that. I mean, didn't they say that it was moot because he's no longer president? I I may be totally wrong, but I thought this was a separate suit. I may be totally wrong. Oh, so then maybe I'm not familiar with that one. No, I don't know. 
But yes, yeah, somebody would have to sue. And again, we know what I think about the legal system, which takes 10 years and reverses itself back and forth and costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, yeah. All right, with that, let's let everybody make their closing comments and talk about what we didn't talk about. Uh, I'll start, I guess. I just have a closing comment. Um, so I suspect maybe Molly Hemingway is watching or listening to our show. You know, you guys know I love to, uh, especially since the lockdowns, I really like to go in and see how states individually are doing on um, GDP and um, unemployment. And last night at the closing of her show, she uh, on Brett Bear, she mentioned um, her her little talking point was that I believe she said nine nine Democrat states are worst with unemployment. And I, I I went into the numbers, the the Bureau of Labor numbers, and it's actually what I'm counting is the 11 worst states are all run by Democrats. She may have said a different version of that number, like maybe the nine worst states from month to month or nine worst states from a year ago to now. But I went in the unemployment rates, the worst states, uh, the 11 worst states are Democrat. So I just want to put that out there because you know I love sharing that info. <laughs> it matters. It should matter. It should matter. Ed, you can you can take it. All right. Um, this week, President Trump released a, a really devastating commercial against Biden, attacking Biden, and it looks, from all indications from the commercial, that if Trump isn't running, he's certainly you know getting ready for a run or seriously contemplating it. And I think that you know. Being down here in Trump country in, in North Carolina, he certainly has a lot of support here. But I think that this whole uh, vaccine issue is going to come to be his undoing. Uh, he gave he gave a speech over the weekend or I forget where when he's when when his last speech was, but he got booed when he was talking about taking the vaccine and. I think that that's going to be his undoing. He's he can't seem to get past taking credit for for Operation Warp Speed, and I, I just think that he's he's going to take a fall for it. For it, and much as I supported him in 2020, I I, I have to confess I'm I'm sort of hoping he does. I, I really think that he's he's the wrong man in the wrong place right now. Uh, he could be the right man in the right place, but. Um, the right man in the right place would look at what's going on with these vaccines and, and the vaccine mandates and would stop touting the vaccines and start protecting, start speaking up for people's freedoms. Uh, and President Trump doesn't seem to be capable of doing that. And, you know, for all the reasons that I've, I've jumped off of Christy Nome's bandwagon, uh, I, I'm just not a big fan of President Trump because of his his stance on the vac on the vaccines, and and I I think slash hope it's going to be his Waterloo because uh, every day the, the the information on the vaccines is getting worse and worse, and he just doubles and triples and quadruples down on them. So we'll see. That's that's my close for today. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess I my agree only with comment you. on that is I definitely think it sounds like he's running at this point. I tend not to care because it's still a couple years down the road, but that just may be my ignorance. As far as the vaccine being what takes him down, interesting. There'll probably be a bunch of other things as well. And unfortunately, even for those of us who back him, he definitely has ego issues. Yeah. And he, well, also, I'm not sure that he's <laughs> good at reading the public. For all that people think, you know, he, he read the populism and ran with it, I think he gets stuck in gears. And this is one of those places. So Mo Brooks tripped himself up with that. And so did Trump. So wait, did you say Donald Trump has an ego issue? Because I'm sorry, I, I, I need to bring some proof of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I, I drive around with my camera around Manhattan. There's a, there's a Trump yeah. links golf course, not five miles from my house. So, I mean, I still think that despite everything that we know and our opinions on January 6th, it, it still did a lot of damage to him. And I think even with people on the right that may have even supported him to some extent, um, I, I think they, they hung that noose around him pretty hard. And I don't know well, if he still can, can you escape know what, that. Though? I think that the biggest damage from January 6th to Trump is the fact that he has let his people rot in jail. I mean, for all the times I've heard him say, the vaccines are wonderful, the vaccines are great, the vaccines is, how about standing up on your soapbox and, and being Moses for a minute and say, let my people go. This That's is right. ridiculous, let these people go. And he won't do it, why not? Yeah. Where is he? Well, and I think I think that's going to be a bigger undoing than I mean, everybody I think every reasonable person knows that it wasn't an insurrection and that he was railroaded and the impeachment was a sham. And I don't think any of that's really a big noose around his neck. I think the bigger news is he didn't stand up for his people. And, you know, nobody has put it in those words. But I mean, I think everybody knows it on some level. You know, I mean, those are his people that are rotting in jail and he won't say a damn word where I mean. And, and the, I mean, I've heard him say a few words during interviews, but I mean, why isn't he just, you know, doing everything he can? I mean, he's a billionaire. I mean, where, where why isn't there a team of lawyers trying to get all these people out? Where, where is he? And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm while, sure. you're, while you're huffing, you know, I got another thought that I want to throw out there, <laughs> you know, and this is, this is less Trump, but this is, <laughs> this is for Steve and, and attacking the legal profession, you know, 10 years ago, Every big law firm in the country was sending lawyers down to Guantanamo to represent the terrorists and said everybody is entitled to a defense. Where are these big law firms right now offering to defend these people? What, what about their right to a defense? It's crickets. There's no, there's no law, lawyers that are going down there trying to, get, trying to get those cases, offering pro bono services. Nothing. Nobody is speaking up for them. These people are rotting in jail. Trump's not saying anything. The legal profession is not saying anything. The ACLU is not saying anything. Most members of Republican members of Congress aren't saying anything. This is a disgrace. This is a much bigger disgrace on our country than anything that's going on in Afghanistan. Afghanistan is a backward country and it was going to turn this way regardless of what we did. This is bringing Afghanistan to here. This is, this is totally unacceptable to me. And, you know, I, I, I really fault Trump for it. And I fault, I fault the legal profession. I fault the Republican Party. I guess the test will be, as we know, it's very rampant in the prison system. 
for people to convert to various unnamed religions. Matter of fact, your tax dollars pay for many chaplains in that unnamed religion. So if some of the January Sixers are stuck in prison long enough to convert, will they then get free legal help? I don't know. Because there is a favored population that draws free legal help and it's not Jewish or Christian. And it is very sad that once again, the left fights and they protect their own. Like you say, they flock down there, the biggest, most expensive law firms. And when it's on the other side, a part of it in defense of the profession is that my understanding, I was listening to somebody this morning talking about getting lawyers to help them out. And it's not only the money issue, it's that lawyers have been told if you have anything to do with defending them, you could forget about ever working in any law firm the rest of your life. So again, they play a little bit dirtier than we do, and that may be scaring some people away. Well, I mean, that just, I mean, you know, I, I just don't have any respect for cowardice. And I mean, I'm a lawyer, I'm not, and I'm not running down there, but, you know, I'm not well healed either. I mean, if I had the money, I, I would be down there. I, I'm not afraid of those people. I just can't afford to fight. I can't afford the fight, but I'm certainly not afraid to fight those people. That's for sure. Are you admitted to the bar in DC? No, but DC is an easy bar to wave into. Okay, so we'll help you do it. Sure. You know, I've said many times before that things happen in the news within two days of this show that make me think that they're all listening. So if Trump comes out in the next two days with a strong statement about those people in jail, that will be conclusive proof. <laughs> and I'll buy you all a beer of your choice if that happens. With that, I wish everybody a wonderful afternoon and evening. We will be up as a podcast shortly, and we will see you again next week at 4 p.m. Thank you very much. Sounds All good. All right, guys. Bye, guys. Have a good week, everybody.